Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smokin' with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokinwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookin' Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookinpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. And finally, by Unknown Barbecue Supply, makers of lid hinges, chimney grillers, and much more. You can visit their website, unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. You should say whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Of course, I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Oh, yeah. We got a beauty plan for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, should you see fit to get in contact with the show this evening, it's a phone call, it's an email, and this is how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about, oh, let's call it 13 minutes from now, the normal third Tuesday of the month guest. Now, in the fourth Tuesday, you would recall, if you're a fan of the show, if you watched last week, Max Good bumped up from the normal fourth slot to the third. 
We bumped Stephen Reichland back from three to four per his request. And filling that, as he so eloquently does, Stephen Reichland. BarbecueBible.com, his website, of course. And we're going to be talking a lot about this. This is a new book. I got it in the mail. I don't know if anybody else got it in the mail. It's Stephen Reichland's Barbecue Sauces, Rubs, and Marinades. And as we had touched on previously, it's like version 2.0. So uh, excited to talk to him a little bit more in depth about that. And then, of course, there's a number of topics that we'll be talking with Stephen about. Namely, Father's Day stuff that's coming up. Mother's Day a couple weeks ago. And uh, now, of course, it is the father's turn. Thank you, Willis. Uh, it is the uh, water. Forgot that. It's the father's turn in June. So we'll talk uh, about a handful of decent gift ideas that you might want to be thinking about getting dear old dad or for yourself if you are a, a dad or for yourself because of your dad and for your dad who was part of the team that had you. And then we'll also maybe talk about Father's Day recipes, some other items as well. Great email from a listener. We missed even, I believe it was last month altogether, so it would have been the previous month to that. And it was a write-in after the fact. He had made some reference to PBS. That was right after there was a lot of new uh, policy and procedure being released from the White House. And this question was unique in its timeliness and i just ran out of time didn't get a chance to ask steven so we'll talk about it when he gets on the show and then at 9 35 he was on the show oh not a year ago but not too far away from a year ago he is the head food critic slash food writer for cleveland scene magazine which is c-l-e-v-e clevescene.com wrote a great article about this show Doug Tratner will be joining us. We'll be visiting a few different topics with Doug during our time together. We'll get an update on what the Cleveland barbecue scene looks like currently as compared to almost a year ago. And then we'll also talk about a trip that he took down to Texas recently and kind of how that whole scene differs from a lot of other places. I mean, we'll obviously talk a lot about the Cleveland scene and how it differs, but you know, there's a whole different business model that exists down in Texas and I believe in parts in Oklahoma that really doesn't exist anywhere else. And I'll just tease it like that and we'll pick it up when we talk with Doug Tratner at 935 and then we'll move into the second hour. At 1014, as promised, he was on a month ago when we were talking about Dirty Smoke and barbecue across different lands. He is the first full-time barbecue editor in the country, writes for Texas Monthly, tmbbq.com. Daniel Vaughn is in. And, of course, we will be diving headlong into the recently released, literally hours ago, recently released 50 best barbecue joints in Texas because he's Texas Monthly's guy. And I don't think he, it's just him. There's a team of people that collaborate on this list. We'll get more into that as well during the segment. But they rank top 10, and then there's 40 other ones. So the, lots of different nuances and stuff to talk about with Daniel Vaughn when he shows up at 1014. And then to close the show this evening, one of the hottest things going right now is the SCA, the State Cookoff Association, growing by leaps and bounds. Lots more competition showing up. 
people getting very excited to spend, in comparison to some other stuff, a small amount of money, not a huge time investment, for a chance to win real cash. And we'll catch up with uh, one of the founders, Brett Galloway, State Cook-Off Association. So there you have it. Stephen Reichland coming up next. Doug Tratner after him. Daniel Vaughn at 1014 and Brett Galloway to close the show. All right. Let everybody know that the show is on live, local, and late breaking. Send them to the Facebook page if you would like to. You can also send them over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com, longtime video syndication partner of this show. Or you can send them to Roku, have them go to the App Store, download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app, and away you go from there. You can also subscribe to this show on iTunes for replays, or if you just can't catch the show as it airs live on Tuesday. And I do still think that there is some kind of a misconception or disconnect here. This is a live show first that is also happening to be recorded at the same time. So when everybody, well, 99% of you get it, the show has already happened. It's Tuesday from 9 p.m. to 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is like a live two-hour radio show, except it's not on the radio. It is live. It's on the interwebs. So it's actually global. We're globally syndicated here on the Barbecue Central Show. But if you can't make it, you don't miss out. It's being recorded. You subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or any of these other podcast directories, and you can get it and consume it whenever you want, and that's pretty much how most people do. All right, so. If you bothered following this past weekend, the Memphis and May cook-off results, I have a feeling you know where I'm about to go with this. And there are those of you who refuse to believe in the Barbecue Central Show karma. Why? I have no idea. Over the nine years of the show, it has proven itself as legitimate Time and time again. However, cynics run amok in society. If you need more proof that this is a real thing and that it always happens, it never doesn't work, look no further than last week's show. If you didn't listen to it, go back and check it out. Chris Lilly does the show at 9.35 a week ago. Shows up at Memphis in May this past weekend wins the pork shoulder category. Notwithstanding that, Melissa Cookston does a show, 1035, the same show an hour later. She shows up in Memphis in May with Yazoo's Delta Q, wins the whole hog category. Now, moreover, and to really add the exclamation point here, as to why the karma is, in fact, legitimate, cannot be disputed or discredited. Big Bob Gibson's not only wins the pork shoulder category, not only they win their fifth overall Memphis and May World Grand Championship. Please, oh, please tell me. Please tell me. That if you were on the fence, that if the Barbecue Central show wasn't really a thing, you have to be a believer at this point. Two guests show up last week. Two win their respective categories. One wins a record-setting, keep in mind, a record-setting fifth Memphis in May Grand Championship. 
What more proof do you need? Multiple category winners. There can only be one grand champion. And I'm sure it had to be desperately close between Chris Lilly and Melissa Cookston on overall grand championship too. Probably fractions separated them. So if you don't believe, you can't not believe. That's what I'm saying. You can't not believe me. It's a thing. It's a thing. All right, folks, let me tell you quickly about Cookshack, manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in your backyard on the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility, Cookshack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cookshack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s at a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or find them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one of those. Cookshack pellet fire smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. You know, the PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker or a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. By the way, Cookshack residential electric smokers, they do make those as well. The number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cookshack. Passion and dedication drives Cookshack's manufacturing with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698 and visit the website cookshack.com. By the way, I believe that National Restaurant Association meeting was going on in Chicago at the McCormick Center this past weekend, and they had the pellet-fired commercial pizza oven out there. Saw a video on Instagram. That thing was phenomenal. Very impressed. Good job, guys. Now, when's that residential model coming out for all of us? That's what we want. Hey, I want to mention real quick, too, because I did get some pictures of it. Uh, Basic Patrick team was in battle this past weekend. And they were able, with the help of Don G, Loyal Centralite, Patrick and Don wearing horse meat t-shirts, snag a RGC. Way to go, Basic Patrick. The new Wendy, Don G, as they were calling him. Way to go, guys. Horse meat karma. Could be a new thing. Could be a new thing. All right, we are back with Stephen Reichlin right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. 
All right, you love to barbecue, you love to compete, you love to win, do all three. With help from Smithfield since 1938, Smithfield has been producing high-quality fresh pork products. And now they invite you to get smoking with Smithfield if you're a competitive barbecuer. You can join the Committed Cooks program. Members who commit to cooking with premium hand-trimmed Smithfield fresh pork receive swag and other great gifts. Gifts. Commit to cooking with Smithfield. See what's going on in the barbecue scene at this website, smokinwithsmithfield.com. That's smokinwithsmithfield.com. I didn't think I fixed that. All right. All right, let's do this. Uh, my first guest this evening is normally the third Tuesday guest. Uh, this month he shows up as the fourth Tuesday guest, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Famer, a TV show host, barbecue, uh, barbecue class cooking instructor, obviously multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and welcome back good friend of the show, potentially under the weather, but he's muscling through. Stephen Reichlin joining me. Stephen, how are you? Hey, good. I'm doing great. Man, you um, you are great. like you? Uh, you are like six octaves lower than normal, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I got a bad cold. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you muscling through here, Stephen, and uh, maybe later on we can get some Barry, uh, Barry White voiceover work done while we have those <laughs> golden hey, I tones. I always, always wanted to have a deep voice. You there know? you go. We got it tonight, no doubt. So, uh, Stephen, let's first talk about this little gem right here, it's barbecue sauces, uh, rubs, and marinades. And as we had kind of touched on a couple different points here over the last handful of months, this isn't the very first time this book has seen the general public. This is, I guess, what you would call 2.0 these days to some degree. Yeah, it is. It's funny. I came out with that book in the year 2000. Uh, nice little book. Uh, but, uh, you know, last year... I kind of took a look at it and realized that a lot of it was dated. Certain uh, restaurants had closed, pitmasters had closed, uh, and in addition, um, that. Oh dear! In addition, he gone. Get that big stuff out of here. <clears throat> Let's try again. Two thousand. You know that was seventeen years ago, by the way. By the way, uh, you, some of you were noticing that there was a change in the background music. You know, we'll get into you that. There? Yeah, I'm here, Stephen. How are you? Okay, I'm sorry. That's right. Okay, you probably heard no, you probably heard none of that. Right? I heard you say that it was released about 17 years ago, and you were looking to potentially yeah. update, and then that was it. Right. Well, I mean, you know, after 17 years, a book becomes dated. Uh, certain restaurants close. Pitmasters are no longer. Uh, and the tastes 17 years ago are different than what we like today. So uh, completely re-updated the book, added 50 new recipes, wow. took out a lot of the older recipes that I just didn't feel were modern, uh, full color photos throughout. And it's, it's really, you know, writing it, it felt like writing a new book. So f 50 new recipes, but obviously for the ones that, Maybe the better question is, like, what percentage of the ones that remain in the book did you go back and tweak for today's flavor profiles or today what's popular kind of thing? I pretty much tweaked all of them. Wow. I mean, whether it was rewriting the head notes or adjusting the uh, adjusting formulas. But, uh, you know, every recipe in that book got tweaked in some way. So you had mentioned just a couple minutes ago that it was like rewriting the whole book again. Yeah. Were there parts of it that you found to be either a lot more exciting than it was the first time you wrote it or 
on the other side of the coin, a little bit more arduous than it was the first time you wrote? Uh, no, actually, just exciting. I mean, there are several new techniques that uh, people have come up. One is the reverse marinade, you know, where you put a marinade on after the meat comes off of the grill rather than uh, before it goes on. Uh, this was a technique pioneered by my barbecue buddy, Stris Schlesinger, the guy who wrote uh, Thrill of the Grill. And, uh, you know, his point is true, and that is when you marinate a meat uh, in a marinade at the start, the flavors all become blurred together and the marinade only goes so deep. But when you put an after marinade on, it really coats every mouthful of food. Uh, similar technique is the board sauce, which you and I have discussed before, pioneered by Adam Perry Lang. So, you know, these are the kinds of... Uh, kinds of recipes that were really interesting for me to write. So I have not heard of the reverse marinade, reverse sear, of course, not reverse sure. marinade. There does seem to be like this. Sometimes, uh, some, sometimes it's also called an after marinade. Okay. So I haven't heard of that yeah. either. So, I mean, so similar idea as far as putting it together and the ingredients and you're just doing it literally after, or is there some difference in ingredients to make it work the best? Well, let's take the Thai beef salad, which is sort of a classic, one of my favorite dishes, a classic Reikland dish. So old way of making it, you'd make a marinade with fish sauce, lime juice, garlic, uh, uh, cilantro, etc. You'd marinate the meat in that mixture and grill it, and the meat would have some flavor from that marinade. Uh, the new way of doing it is you season the meat simply with salt and pepper, grill it, and then slice it, and then the slices go in that after marinade. The meat juices mix with the marinade. The hot meat cooks the marinade a little bit. You get much more flavor on each individual slice. And then the liquid that's left over, the mixture of marinade and meat juices, becomes the dressing for the salad. So in a way, it kind of takes that salad from uh, black and white to technicolor. Stephen, are you a fan when you're eating steak, uh, since we're talking about it right now, of a, of a room temperature when you eat it, or do you would you prefer to have it kind of piping hot as it's coming off the grill? Well, I like a hot steak, but I don't eat it piping hot off the grill. I always let, let it rest for a couple of minutes because the meat relaxes and it will be much juicier than uh, if you you know eat a steak hot off the grill. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, of course, is website. Um, Stephen, aside from the re-release uh, of this book, does your publisher come to you and say, hey, it's time to, to revamp a book that's 17 years old? Or are you looking at it on the shelf one day and you're thumbing through it and you're like, hey, you know, now that I'm really looking at this thing. Great idea and great reference 17 years ago, but now we should really step it up and, and give it a facelift. Well, to give credit where credit is due, it was actually my publisher's idea to redo the book. Uh, it was a happy decision. I'm glad they did it. Uh, you know, um, I mean, books and ideas need to be refreshed from time to time. Typically, especially for you, Stephen, there's like the associated book tour of promotion. Are you going to have a tour that accompanies this? Well, as a matter of fact, at uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow, I'm flying to New York to uh, <laughs> to do three days of book tour in New York. And I just hope my voice will sound better by Thursday when I have my TV uh, television media tour than uh, than it does right now. So, if, but, you know, the show goes on. Oh, of course. Um, when you are at a book signing, is there something that you have come to expect from your general public? Do people just want uh, an autograph and maybe share an anecdote and maybe get a picture or are people a little bit more demanding or inquisitive? Like what kind of people are you seeing out there? 
Well, people are incredibly inquisitive. And one thing I've noticed in my 20 years in the business is how much more sophisticated the questions are. Uh, people really do possess a great knowledge about barbecue and grilling and the questions that they ask really make you think. Uh, in addition to that, let's see, when I started, of course, there were no cell phones, there were no selfies, uh, anything like that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of selfie taking now. and that, That's a, a new twist on the book tour. I would assume that uh, this book available in the, in the normal haunts online, Amazon, all the, the book places and so forth. Bar BarbecueBible.com, Amazon.com, your local bookstore. And actually, I always try and buy uh, any book from the local bookstore because that's an important business to keep in business. Are you surprised, uh, Stephen, that real books are still around? Um, I'm pleased. Uh, I guess I'm a little surprised because two or three years ago, it looked like everything was going to electronic. But, you know, I never adopted the electronic reading habit. I mean, I still like a hard, you know, a physical book. And I think more and more people do. Actually, uh, independent bookstores or those that survived are doing well, proliferating. And I think the number of uh, electronic uh, percentage of electronic books is actually diminishing in favor of printed books again. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, Stephen, obviously a, a guy who is well steeped in the live fire cooking industry usually lends itself to a guy that has a number of cooking implements and certainly you're famous for that. One of the things that I had seen, I actually have one myself on my back deck and, and I know you have one is this art flame that really seems to be coming up in popularity, especially on social media and so forth. So I guess from uh, myself who has used it and cooked on it a number of times, wanted to get your take on it. Uh, if you think it's, you know, anything new has that associated price tag. I mean, this thing is kind of a work of art. It's heavy. Uh, certainly there's an accompanying price tag, but kind of holding that off to the side. Uh, give me your high level rundown and evaluation of the art flame and what you like and, and maybe what you think could be improved. I absolutely love the art flame. I have one at home. We used it uh, on Project Smoke 3, which, by the way, starts airing next week in time for Memorial Day on your local PBS station. Uh, for those of your listeners who don't know what it is, um, imagine a, a big circle of steel that's a plancha, and in the center of that, there's a grill. It's a wood-burning grill. So you get the advantages of both cooking on a plancha, which is great for fragile fish, uh, lets you do things like eggs, which you can't do on a grill, and then you've got a wood-burning grill. So what I like to do in the art flame is if I'm cooking a delicate fish, I'll start it on the plancha, okay? It's a plancha is a fancy word for griddle. I'll start it on the griddle section. Once it's firm, I'll move it over to the wood-burning uh, grill section to infuse it with wood smoke. You know, it's funny, I've been in this business a long time, and for the invention of a totally new grill with a totally new technology, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, but the art flame does it. Uh, another point I'd like to make about it, the, you know, the big ones are expensive. They have recently come out with a, uh, an insert for a Weber kettle grill that gives you the same plancha uh, merging into wood burning grill in the center. So, and I think that's very reasonably priced and it's a very cool attachment. When you are starting a fire in the art flame, do you have a method that you seem or that seems to work best for you? I do. I light a chimney full of charcoal. I dump the charcoal in the firebox, and then I put the wood on top of it. All right, easy enough. And then uh, you just add a stick here or there to kind of maintain whatever temperatures you're looking for and then scoot the coals around? Absolutely. Well, you don't really even need to scoot the coals around because uh, the, the way that firebox works is that the heat is conducted throughout the, uh, the, the firebox. 
All right, uh, Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, Stephen, coincidentally, there seems to be a running Texas theme through uh, the balance of the show here for whatever reason, and I wanted to get your take on this since I kind of realized that before we got on air. You've spent a lot of time in all of the barbecue places, not only in this country, but around the world. Texas has seen an increasing amount of popularity here over the last, let's say, five or six years, certainly known as a barbecue mecca, no doubt about it, over its time. But it really seems to have gained a lot of popularity here recently. So my question to you is this. Someone who's been down there, you visited the best places all over the country and Texas. Is there more hype than really is deserved for Texas barbecue? Or can you not heap enough praise on what's happening down there right now? Well, Texas is uh, definitely one of the major regions of barbecue in the U.S. Uh, you know, am I going to say Texas is better than Kansas City and the surrounding areas? No, of course not. Uh, uh, Texas is primarily known for beef. I think what's remarkable about Texas, it's it's the real deal. All of the pits burn wood. They're big pits. They're burning logs. Interesting burning, uh, burning oak for the most part, not mesquite, contrary to popular opinion. Um, some of the best, best brisket in the world comes, uh, comes out of Texas. I'm thinking of Aaron Franklin or John Lewis or um, Pecan Lodge. Um, so to Texas is undeniably an important place. It's maybe the most pure manifestation of barbecue. But one region you might look at that certainly doesn't figure among the classical canon is Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn has some, um, New York in general has some amazing barbecue. Really? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like um, Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook or Brisket Town uh, or Mighty Quinn's in Manhattan. I mean, there's some fabulous barbecue in the New York area, too. Stephen, one of the things I like to talk to you about, especially when we're in this time of the season, is kind of those beginner tips and uh, things to refresh somebody that might just be finding the show or just might be getting into live fire cooking. And you had a great post on your blog uh, not too long ago, and it was called Tips from Barbecue Boot Camp, and I was wondering if you could kind of hit a few of those to get people up to speed. Well, I think the most important thing is to learn to control your fire, not have you control it. And for all too uh, many of us, when we start, we sort of light the grill, we throw the food on, hope and pray somehow that it will cook without burning. Uh, it's very important to know about zoned fires. When you're working with charcoal, you have your uh, charcoal kind of tiered to one side, so you've got a hot zone for searing and medium zone for cooking. Super important, a safety zone, at least 25 or 30% of your grill fire free. So you've got a safe place to move the food if it starts to burn. Uh, same thing with a gas grill, you know, good grill hygiene, that's really important. Start with a hot grill grate, clean it either with a stiff wooden, br stiff uh, wire brush or wooden scraper and oil it with either a folded paper towel dipped in oil or half onion dipped in oil and drawn across the bars of the grate. That's really important. Uh, use an instant read meat thermometer to uh, check for doneness. That's a super important for large cuts of meat. You know, uh, I think you can still wing it. You can still use the poke test on steaks and such. Um, what else is important? Uh, you know, if you want to add a smoke flavor using wood, using hardwood chunks or hardwood chips. Uh, I'm of the soak the chip school if I'm looking for a long, slow smoke barbecue style. But if I want a kind of a lighter wood flavor like you would get in Mediterranean or South American wood grilling, I put the wood unsoaked right on the fire. Stephen, would it shock you if I told you that I was uh, doing a news report for a different uh, podcast, somebody else, and 13.3% of Americans 
use thermometers in order to gauge uh, to gauge doneness when it comes to like hamburgers and things like this. Can you believe that it is that low? The majority of people are guessing or feeling. Um. Well, I guess I'm not surprised, but uh, I'm. It's scary. Uh, you know, I think it, it is a little scary, but uh, I would urge people. You know, it's a good idea. A good idea to do that. Stephen, let me ask you uh, a question here. I wanted to make sure I have enough time for this, and if we have some left over, I'll get into some other topics here. But not uh, we, we missed last month, but the month before that, uh, there was a lot of policy and stuff being handed out through the White House, and one of the things was in reference to PBS, and John from Boise, Idaho, wrote in and said, I'd be curious to know if Stephen Reichlin is concerned about the president's threat to stop funding PBS, and then he goes on to say he knows it's political, but it was also uh, topical then i think it's also topical now and you're obviously on pbs so i was kind of wondering what your thoughts are on that greg i am concerned about so much that's coming out of the white house if you think of what makes a country great and what helps a country grow the three most important things are education health care public health science a healthy environment and all of these seem to be on the attack list from the white house I don't understand why. You can be sure that all of our competitors, China is putting an emphasis on education. China's not cutting funding to public television. Um, you know, the amount of money in question is so laughable. It's a rounding error in uh, the Pentagon budget. Uh, I think that thanks to um, certain parts of the media, people think that public television is sort of 10 or 12% of the American budget. You know what it is? It's 0.001%. It's infinitesimal. The Pentagon, believe me, spends more on paper clips every year. So am I appalled? Yes. Uh, am I nervous? Uh, in a funny way, I'm not, because you know what? I do believe that there's goodness in the hearts of Americans, and I do believe we uh, that most people recognize the importance of public television. Not only my show, but shows for kids, Big Bird, and I don't think that uh, Americans will let public television fall by the wayside. Stephen Reichlin. There you go, so I probably just alienated uh, half of your <laughs> listeners, but... Well, hey, uh, I would much rather have a guest that has an opinion instead of easily skirting the topic and not giving a point of view. So uh, certainly I appreciate that if nobody else does, and I know a lot of people do. Uh, Stephen Reichlin joins me the third Tuesday of every month, although this is the fourth. Uh, we will uh, get it all squared up here next month. And as always, Stephen, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Great talking to you. Bye -bye. You got it. There he is, Stephen Reichlin. Might I say muscling, muscling through the cold to do that interview. All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield hotline. Yummy. And as I said, not afraid to give an opinion on public TV because, uh, and I did kind of forget about that. I was going back through outlines that I keep and I'm like, hey, look at that. That was a great question from two months ago. Because again, last month is uh, last month. Uh, of course, we missed him. So there you go. Um, let me go back through. Uh, John Dawson, <clears throat> excuse me, John Dawson weighing in. Remps isn't an after marinade called a glaze or finishing sauce. Sounds like a distinction without a difference. Oh, good question. Maybe I will ask him that next month when we get in there. 
We'll see. We'll see. All right, folks. Chops Power Injector Systems. That's right. The NBBQA 2015, 2016, 2017. Three-time tool of the year. Backyard cooks to the catering restaurant chefs. A power injector is right for you. Three different sizes. First, the number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System is designed for the competition guy or gale or to park, uh, pump up the backyard warrior. So easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, away you go if you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do. You don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. Then you have the one-gallon Chops Power Injector System. Designed for catering and bigger jobs, it holds double the amount of the injection that the half-gallon holds. That's why they call it the one-gallon. Some use it in competitions, like when you're doing the Memphis and May whole hog, or maybe you're doing 10 shoulders to find that perfect one. This one comes with all of the same stuff that the half-gallon unit comes with, 120 bucks plus you pay shipping anywhere. The newest one is the Chops Full Power Injector System. It's the electric commercial and competition big daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14 gauge needles, three inch, 12 gauge needles, two inch, 11 and a half gauge needles, three plug screws, a needle protector, 325 bucks plus shipping. A number of the top pit masters in the world are using Chops Power Injector Systems every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Here's the thing, we live in a foodie world, you gotta have flavor in every bite, this is how you do it and do it fast. So you visit this website and then rake the rewards. Barbecue Kansas City, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com and get your hands on the three-time NBBQA Tool of the Year. Not me, the Chomps Power Injector System. All right, we're back with Doug Tratner right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. Speaking of LeBron James, how's that working out? Anybody got a score on that? Hey, folks, this portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a uh, a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. If you're looking for a medium-sized cooker, they got one for you as well. Also, small to take on those trips or getting ready for tailgate season, whatever the case may be, all you have to do is head on over to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love your Green Mountain Grill as well. All right, folks, my next guest is with Cleveland Seed Magazine. He also has helped write a number of best-selling books with his pal and a guest I would love to have on this show, Michael Simon. He is actually in the process 
of uh, kind of penning one with him right now, although that's in the distance. And part of that process uh, is learning about barbecue, talking about barbecue, and soaking up all that fatty brisket goodness uh, for books. So without any further ado, let's uh, race over to the hotline. Oh, shit, I just pushed the wrong button. This is what happens when you're a one-man. Race over the hotline. And welcome back. Doug Tratner to the show. Doug, how are you, buddy? Look at me. Yeah, sorry. I still had you on pause, everybody. I hear you. You there? No, I'm just kidding. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you got me. I was like, oh, boy, what did I do now? So uh, here's Doug. And uh, as you would recall, uh, it was probably uh, not necessarily a year ago, but almost a year ago. Doug was live in studio. He had done uh, just a fabulous piece on the Barbecue Central show, which he had found only nine years after the show had actually launched. But that's all right. Um, we talked extensively about the state of Cleveland barbecue back then. And, you know, almost a year later, I'm wondering what your thoughts are of where the Cleveland barbecue scene is now and maybe how it looks here even over the, the next six, seven months. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why I never found you, uh, it took me so long to find you, was was the fact that we really didn't have much of a barbecue scene, right. barbecue scene going on here. Um, I'll, I'll admit that I wasn't that you know deep into it because I had been to all the places Cleveland has had, you know, forever and ever. And yep. you know, not to to denigrate those places, they're they're wonderful places. They they offer great food and great service, and and they're uniquely Cleveland spots. It's just that they'd been around so long, and that's kind of you know the you know, the, the rough part of a job like mine, where it's, you come in and it's like, what's next? What's new? You know, what's tomorrow? What's next month? And what's next year? Um, it's not so much the places that have been doing it for 40 years. Although, of course, I do go back and, and check out the, you know, the classics. But even since we talked about a year, you know, uh, 14, 15 months ago, so much has happened. So much was happening at that time. Obviously, uh, it's night and day from what's going on today in Cleveland to what was, you know, even here five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, oh, yeah. you know, it's, we're, you know, we're in the middle of the country. It's, it's the same thing that happens with most trends. You know, it takes a little while to get here to us. The same thing that's, you know, happened across the country over the past decade is happening in Cleveland now. Barbecue, as you know, I don't need to tell you, is one of the hottest things going across the country, not just here, not just in Texas, not just in New York, but everywhere. And, you know, Cleveland is finally catching up. Um, we have, young chefs who had fallen in love with barbecue probably five, 10 years ago, have been studying it, doing it, doing it in their garage, their backyard, and finally, you know, getting to the point where they're opening restaurants and we're all benefiting from that. Do you think when, when you have a fad or a, or a craze or a trend get to different areas of the country where they're not normally considered to be meccas, so we'll, we'll say Cleveland is one of those areas uh, for barbecue, yeah. you know, to me, it seems like there's still few that really seem to pump out the high-quality stuff, and you see a lot of entrance in, and maybe they never really get to open or they fade rather quickly. Do you, do you find that that's kind of happening with the barbecue scene up here? Yeah, and you know it's troublesome because it goes both ways, right? So not only are we seeing operators that are coming out now uh, who maybe shouldn't yet at this point open a place, but the dining public also doesn't really get barbecue you know as as say folks you know it, from historically barbecue regions whether it's the carolinas or it's texas or it's casey you name it um you know the folks here grew up on things that were very different from the things people are doing today so you know they still expect their ribs 
you know, to fall the, the meat to fall off the bone. They expect, you know, things to be covered in sauce. Um, you know, I, I'm going to get beat up for saying that, you know, people really just don't get it. But a lot of people don't get it because, I, hey, I didn't get it. You know, until I started really traveling in the country and tasting the world's best barbecue, I didn't get it. And, uh, and there's no reason they should get it if they haven't done the same thing because we didn't grow up eating that kind of food. So we really don't know what, you know, incredible beef brisket is supposed to be like or, or pork ribs or pulled pork or chopped pork or whole hog. You know, these are the things that um, – it they're they're wonderful and it's a fun thing to learn right so it oh, goes yeah. both ways yeah no, no it's wonderful to learn for yeah, sure yeah it's a fun it's a fun you know it, it beats studying for the bar exam right uh traveling around eating barbecue but like i said you know there's a learning curve there is with every cuisine you know whether it's korean barbecue or ramen or fried chicken or anything you know the first one into the market has a lot of you know heavy lifting to do to kind of push the, the consumer along with them. Doug Tratner joining me here on the show. Uh, CleveScene.com is uh, where you can find some of his writings in the food, or is it eat? Is that what the menu tab is, eat? Uh, eat. You, can, you can check out, Doug. You uh, ran down to Texas for a work-related uh, assignment, if you will, and I'm wondering from somebody who has seen the that renaissance that's transpired up here in Cleveland over the last uh, you know year or so, and then you get down into a place like Texas that has that steep tradition and the majesty and the mystique and all of the adjectives that I could throw out if I could think of all of them. What do you think are like the biggest things that are happening down in Texas right now and that have happened over the history that make it kind of that mecca? Well, you know, before we get to that, I'll tell you what one of the best uh, and brightest takeaways I got from going to Austin, where, as you know, uh, you know, they open barbecue joints every week, it seems, and people here in Cleveland say, oh, my gosh, you know, we have Mabel's, we have Proper Pig, we have Barbecue, Woodstock, Rib Sticks, we got Smoking Cues, you know, about to open, we got an Ohio City. So people say to me, oh, my God, are we, you know, we've got to be saturated <laughs> with barbecue, right? And, and you go to a place like Austin and you say, oh, my God, we are not even close, not even close to the number and the per capita. And, you know, so, uh, I'm not saying quality. I'm saying, you know, there is a lot of room. You know, as they say, there's always room for, for a good whatever that next word is, whether it's beer or barbecue or pizza, whatever. There's always room for quality. And Cleveland has a lot of room to grow in, in the barbecue scene. That's the, the biggest takeaway I got from going out there. Um, I mean, you know, people are standing in line all morning. I don't know if these people have jobs. I don't know if I'm looking at tourists, <laughs> but you'll walk by La Barbecue or Franklin's or, or you name it. And people are standing in line at 9 a.m. to get, to, you know, some some brisket, uh, hopefully by 11. So it's it's interesting to see. Um, I walked around. I stayed in a really funky part of town, East Austin. Uh, and, you know, you, you walk by all those places all day long and there's people lining up for barbecue. It's, it's amazing. You know, you really it's hard to find a real restaurant in Austin. They're all trailers where you, you kind of walk up and, and, and get your food and go uh, go sit down. But it's lovely to kind of experiment, you know, going around the country to, to try different things. And, and Austin was a uh, it was an eye opener for sure. I mean, I, you know, got to eat at Black's Barbecue in Lockhart, Texas, where, you know, if, if you're calling Texas the barbecue capital of the world, you call Central Texas the barbecue capital of Texas. You call Lockhart, you know, the, the capital of Central Texas. So to go to a place like Black's that has such an incredible history, I mean, we're talking about 1932, doing it the same way for, for generations. It was um, it was really just just 
eye-opening and to be able to spend some time with a, fa a family like the Blacks and to be able to kind of walk uh, on the other side of the counter and see how they do things and see how they've done things and um, and see the passion and in in the, the the family has and um, and the quality of barbecue. It was it was just really a. Uh, an, uh, an excellent experience. I I can't wait to go back to Austin. I ate it, you know. I ate blacks in in Lockhart and Austin and San Marcos. I tried all three different ones because I was spending some time with that family. So I didn't get to eat. I also didn't have the time to wait in line. But I didn't get to eat at Franklin's or La Barbecue or you know all the all the other great ones. I want to go back and and do that. But um, what a fun fun city and and the craft beer scene is is great there too. Do you think being able to learn about uh, a story like the blacks uh, or you know i mean there's a you can you name it there's probably uh you know a hundred people that have a, a similar story or have a similar tradition down there in texas do you do you find that getting behind the counter seeing what they're doing seeing that it's the same thing as it had past generation to generation makes the quality of the food as you're eating it seem a little bit more better more did i say more better a little bit better <laughs> i'll let it pass thank you <laughs> absolutely i mean um you know, and it also kind of, I don't know, it kind of, you know, pulling the curtain away on certain things is is not always a good thing, right? You don't want to go, you don't want to go to your favorite Shana Beer place in the light of day because you'll see things, you know, you'll you'll never wipe from your memory. And and a lot of restaurants, it's the same thing. You don't want to go back there and, and see how how they do things. But uh, to go to places like Blacks and in those places, and and heck, you know, the the Franklins and La Barbecue, you you can kind of peek around the corner pretty easily and see how they're doing things. They've got nothing to hide. Um, these, you know, you don't, you don't hide a, a, a massive, you know, uh, offset smoker, um, somewhere. And it's not like a microwave, right? You're there's stacks of wood, there's smoke, there's, you know, there's people. So you get to see the process. You get to see that there are no shortcuts. There's no way to do shortcuts with this stuff. So getting to see the process, um, and the people who have done it all the time is, is, uh, you know, I think kind of, it just, it validates, you know, the, the cuisine. It lets you know that there's no, really no secrets. It's just, it's just hard work. It's experience. It's generations of experience. It's generations of knowledge, you know, passed down. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's fun to watch. And uh, the the amount of time and effort it takes to, you know, to, to you know, you walk up to an account, a counter after waiting in line, you get your sandwich. It, it's an amazing experience for sure. But to see what goes into it. Um, is is just a, a, another few layers, you know, and it gives you respect for for all of the folks who do it, um, wherever wherever they are in the country, whatever they're cooking. It's um, it's uh, yeah, it's it was it was eye opening to say the well, least. You sound like you are ready to go back down at the uh, first opportunity, no doubt about it. You're pumping me up for crying out loud. Oh uh, heck yeah, heck yeah. You know, it it always bums me out to leave a place knowing that you know you you can only do so much, and I'm I'm of the feeling that I would rather spend more time in a place then run all over town trying to, you know, hit a zillion places. I want to go there and experience that place enough so that I don't feel like I need to go back there the next time, you know, unless of course I choose to, but, you know, to be able to kind of spend some time in a city doing a few things that you've picked and researched um, is, is the way I like to travel. Doug Tratner joining me here on the show. Uh, Doug, with a couple minutes that we have left, I like to believe that people are more and more seeking out Cleveland as a destination to hit for vacation or instead of just blasting right through it at highway speed, they might get off and spend a handful of hours out here. Uh, nobody knows better than you the trendy places, the the cool places, the spots you need to hit if you come here. And it's not like the tourist trap like Geno's Steaks, although I fell for that when I was in Philly uh, a month or two ago. And it was good, by the way. I mean, sometimes sure. the tourist traps are actually good. 
Uh, well, they're yeah, they're 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 busy for a reason. They they're tourist right. traps for a reason when they get started. But at the end of the day, it's like barbecue, right? In in Austin or wherever it is, you can go to a different place and get barbecue that is probably just as good without waiting in line. I'm sure it's the same with cheesesteaks. You go a block off the main drag, you're gonna eat cheesesteaks, um, you know, or or pork sandwiches that are just as good without the line. Right. So talk to me about places you would want to hit in Cleveland if you're going to be making the trip up here for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, I always say when people ask me, and of course they get this question all the time, where should I eat? And and I say, you know, who are you going with? You know, is it grandma or is it is it your hip friends from Portland? You know, what part of town are you going to be in? How much money you want to spend? But that said, you know, I think um, uh, I think Banter is one of the, the funnest new places to open in the past couple of years. It's, it's super unique. It's like a, you do feel like you're in Toronto or a different city. Um, you walk in, it's a bottle shop, so that means you can go to a to the coolers filled with bottles of wine and bottles of beer and kind of shop retail style, bring it back to your table and enjoy them. Uh, but they also have great beer on tap, great wine by the glass, and they do sausages and poutine. It's a very limited oh. menu. You know, you do a few things, do it right. Poutine, you know, as we know, French fries, gravy, cheese mm. curds. Uh, they also sell those cheese curds deep fried, best uh, best snack in in town. Wow. So that's a that's a fun place in Detroit Shoreway, and that's a great neighborhood. Um, one of the kind of uh, up and coming neighborhoods of Cleveland, if you will. You know, if people haven't been back to Cleveland for a while, um, haven't been to that neighborhood, it's a uh, it's a great place to kind of see uh, what's going on over there on the near west side of Cleveland. A little closer to home, also near west side, Ohio City. Obviously a great place for craft beer, ton of places to kind of hop around the street and try um, at least five or six different beers from diff different places. But when it's time to eat, I say go to Black Pig. Um, you know, it's one of those kind of, he's one of the best chefs in town. Uh, Mike Nowak is, and you know, doesn't get a lot of, he gets credit. He doesn't, it's not a, a buzzy place all the time. We're talking about um, just a sweet little spot in Ohio City. And we're, you know, obviously named Black Pig. Uh, we're talking about a pork driven kind of bistro menu. Elegant, um, smaller plates, really refined service, but not in you know not too formal, not too stuffy. Killer place, um, and one of my all-time favorite places, right around the corner from me. I'm in Cleveland Heights, over at Shaker Square, a place called Edwin's, and Edwin's is uh, one of the most unique restaurants in the country in that they train ex-cons to work in fine dining. So they are taking people who you know might not have a job, you know, getting out, and they teach them a, a skill, front of the house, back of the house. Uh, it also happens to be one of the best restaurants in Cleveland, which is, you know, a lot of these training programs in other cities tend to be, you know, less uh, ambitious in their fare. We're talking about fine French food and a really nice atmosphere. Um, things like, you know, escargot, frog legs, rabbit pie, duck confit, and pressed wow. duck. A medieval, uh, a medieval dish, if there ever was one. Carved table side. Uh, off the off the carcass of the duck, you take Oof. the whole duck, you put it in a press, you squeeze it until all the juices run out, and then you wow. make a lovely sauce with it. Um, so Edwin's is uh, high on my list. And of course, you cannot end a meal at Edwin's without cheese. They have a, a glorious cheese cart that comes through table side. Load up on all of it. Doug Tratner can be read at clevescene.com. He's my guy here locally. Doug, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on, man. Have a great night. Go Cavs. All right, go Cavs. They're really going to need to get it going right about now. They're down by 10 at half, I believe, is the last thing I saw. That's uh, Doug Tratner from Cleveland Scene Magazine, clevescene.com. All right. 
Let me try and make up some time here. Uh, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs, and they've won almost every major barbecue competition, period. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profiles that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue and a head-to-head back-to-basics competition. This is unique in the fact that you can't use any devices such as pellet cookers or pit minders, just charcoal wood in your wits to win one of the most high-stakes competitions around. And the other is the guinea pig, a cost-controlled event that helps bring in newcomers to the competitive barbecue world. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, and that helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. On top of all of that, Big Papa's created their own unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all this with only six years of being in the business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S., just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. And again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, we are back to wrap up the first hour. Coming back and pointing to the second hour. Lots of continued Texas talk in the second hour. That was Doug Tratner, Clevescene.com, C-L-E-V-E, Clevescene.com. And we're back right after this. Stick around. advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show all right welcome back this portion of the show being brought to you by cookingpellets.com your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet driven cookers visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase you can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. Don't forget that Cooking Pellets does have their very own app. You can download that and be alerted to great shipping prices and so forth. Cookingpellets.com. Check them out. All right. Thanks again to Doug Tratner for coming on. Email from Andy Rue. Would serving horse meat in a non-KCBS open meat be ethical? Andrew, no. Andrew, you can not serve horse. Andrew, you are not. Remember, while I'm pressing to bring about the conversation of horse meat 
as a option with the other meats available. It is currently 100% illegal to serve right here in these United States. Let me make that clear. 100% illegal. I would suggest never, ever serving horse meat at a KCBS competition in the open meat section. Is it ethical? That is a completely different conversation that you're going to have to answer on your own. Whenst horse meat becomes legal to consume. Is it ethical? Who's to say? I'm not here to say yes or no. I just want it to be an option. Or at least I want to have a discussion for an option. That's what I'm talking about. All right. You heard it here first. Well, I'm getting another. Uh, Andrew, I have to believe that maybe that was a trick question. Andrew, you were not being serious. Andrew, you are not. <laughs> Me, maybe you are. I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of people that probably don't have the first-hand knowledge. Let me backtrack and be completely contradictory. Andrew, if you can find horse meat, who am I to tell you what to do? Answer the ethical question on your own. Who am I to tell you? All right, let's wrap up this first hour, and I will see you on the other side. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here from the city of Cleveland. We'll be right back. board here for the really big barbecue show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how's it going we have a great show of a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle Charbono. it's all about the Charbono, dude Succulent fish, what? We ate two feet before we nursed. So listen, Laverne, shut your face. Yeah, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. hey oh everybody. hey oh everybody. Uh, Patrick Paquette weighing in on the instant chat. No comments on my horse meat t-shirt so far, but I've only worn it around barbecue competitions. Might wear it to the restaurant depot on Friday. Uh, Patrick, why aren't you wearing that bitch every day? 
What? I wear my horse meat t-shirt at least once a week. At least. Have a good night, Don. Maybe barbecue people are a little bit more understanding when they see a horse meat t-shirt than everybody else. Who knows? Right. I mean, not good night, Don. Good night, Wendy. <laughs> Inside joke. Don G and Double P ripping off an RGC this past weekend. See what I just did there? Still to come on the show tonight, Daniel Vaughn, the Texas Monthly's barbecue editor at 1014 and at 1035. We'll be talking with Brett Galloway from the State Cook-Off Association. The National Pro Barbecue Tour presented by Sam's Club rolled into Marietta, Georgia this past weekend. A local qualifier that sends the, uh, the top six teams to Bartlett, Tennessee regional final on July 1st. And those teams are in specific order for grand champion with the 697-6, Kewin, Stewin, and Bruin. Taking reserve with a 694-8, FYC Barbecue. Third place, Claude's Q. Fourth place, Blind Hog Barbecue. Fifth place, Booty Q. Booty Q! And sixth place, Wicked Q. And as I like to give you, the discrepancy between one and six, roughly nine points. So by and large, a fairly close one through six, although about three points separated one and two. So congratulations to those top six moving on to the Bartless, Tennessee regional final on July 1st. The next event at the National Pro Barbecue Tour will be taking place in two weeks' time in Laurel, Maryland. So we're off this coming weekend for Memorial Day. They pick up the following week after that. Where did I do with this? As I continue to give you updates on Horse Meat 2017, because that's what this show was all about. I was given, I was forwarded this a couple weeks ago. I'm just getting to it now because I had uh, a lot of uh, other horse important stuff to talk about. Not that one horse thing is more important than the next, but I do have to rate them and then disseminate them to the centralites. This is, if you can believe this, folks, if you can believe it. I'm going to bring it to you live, local, and late break. Uh, I will only use his first name. Evan, a centralite, wrote an English composition 101 class. Congress lifts horse butchering ban for the good of horses. Folks, a centralite wrote a term paper on Horse Me 2017. That's right. And it goes a little something like this. In the November 30th, 2011 article, Abad Santos discusses the decision made by the Obama administration to lift the five-year-long ban on the practice of butchering horses in the United States that was set in place during the Bush administration. He states that the lift will be beneficial for the U.S. economy as well as the welfare of horses themselves, claiming that the number of animal neglect and abandonment cases would see a huge decrease. I'm 100% behind what this article has to say, aside from the fact that I'm a barbecue enthusiast and horse meat is on my bucket list of things to try. Creating jobs, boosting the economy, and proper treatment of animals is something I think we can all get behind. Obviously, the added jobs would be a given 
with pre-existing facilities calling for extra manpower to keep up with the increase of service, but it would also add business to architects, contractors, plumbers, electricians, and every other trade that goes along in opening up a new commercial building, such as a processing plant. Even one, uh, sorry, even once the facility is completed, you have to have people to make sure that things run smoothly, employees on the line, marketing and sales, mechanics to fix and service the machines, even janitorial staff. Hundreds, if not thousands of jobs could be added from the logistics and planning stages of the build to the first load order being filled and ready for delivery. I continue, Evan, this is Evan writing his term paper on Horsby. Besides the new jobs from development of new facilities and adding additional staff to pre-existing plants, the lifted ban would help the economy by cutting down of foreign outsourcing. Even with the ban of the practice of horse butchering, horse meat itself was not off limits to have. So what did people do? They shipped their equine cargo out of the country, either to Mexico or Canada. That in itself is self-explanatory. Services were sent to other countries before they were unable to be performed here in the United States. The extended travel jumps right into my final point. The welfare of these animals in question for those who are able to afford to send their animals to a foreign country for processing are sending animals on long trips in less than ideal travel conditions, overcrowding in trailers to get as many transported in one trip as possible, exposure to extreme heat and cold, lack of food and water. All these issues come to mind when it comes to transport. Let's just say you're going to ship your animal from Lexington, Kentucky to a processing plant in Alberta, Canada. Non-stop, that's 36 hours. However, you must account for traffic as well as USDOT regulations and state over-the-road semi-truck drivers can only drive for so many hours at a time before having to stop to sleep, eat, and refuel. The 36-hour drive could potentially double, if not triple, during that time. There's no guarantee that the animals are being properly fed or given care at all. Not only that, you do have to account for customs, I believe, because you're going from the United States to Canada. Looking more into the welfare of the animal, the above example is assuming that one can afford to send their animal away to processing. If they happen to get sick or injured or not being able to afford for the care of that animal anymore, they have to be unable or and they are unable to rehome them. Being euthanized is just as expensive as sending them off to the plant, if not more. That causes owners to abandon and neglect their animals and cause them to suffer long term due to illness and starvation, as well as a waste of edible meat, which is what I've been saying all along. In conclusion, this is a decision that could possibly have long-term benefits for the United States. As a society, America looks at the consumption of butchering of horses as strange and or weird and exotic, but sometimes those are the solutions that work. Don't be afraid to try something different because you never know what you might like or find success in. Love, Evan. Now, if I'm not mistaken... Evan did earn a B plus, I believe. So uh, even way better than Ralphie's Red Rider BB gun theme, if you were to recall. <laughs> Evan, did you get an A or was it a B? I think it was a B. But he sent me that a couple weeks ago and I told him, hey, man, uh, I'm all about getting the horse meat updates out. That's a Evan written essay. For a real college class, 101. Barbecue food for you in the instant chat. Watching a documentary, the U.S. kills 50,000 wild horses a year. 50,000? What? Uh -oh. We do? 
Also, one more piece of horse meat information. Follow-uping, uh, follow-uping. Not only is it more better, but it's follow-uping. Following up on the horse meat scandal at the Pittsburgh restaurant I reported on last week, the FDA sent an official warning letter to the owner, Justin Severino, of the restaurant named Cure in Pittsburgh. Basically, and I'm paraphrasing, the warning says that if they're caught in violation again, the FDA reserves the right to fine and or administer further punishment as they would see fit. Now, I have reached out to Justin to have him come on the show to talk about what the mindset was, if he knew it was illegal, all this stuff, because now he has been officially warned. I don't know if that pretty much prohibits him from ever coming on the show to talk about it. Time will tell, but uh, he has refused to come on the show to talk about it for now. I'll keep trying. Lastly, and I haven't talked about it in weeks, you would recall that for a number of times, I've been talking about Hall of Fame, Barbecue Hall of Fame. I'm asking, does anybody have an update on where the Barbecue Hall of Fame voting tallies are? Does anybody know if there's been decisions made? Does anybody know who the inducting class is going to be for 2017? Am I on that? Am I? I have sent a number of emails. A number only to not be answered. So we'll have to see what's happening. Updates to come, hopefully, sooner than later. All right, folks, I'm going to talk to you quickly about Butcher Barbecue. By the way, uh, it looks like it's been weeks. Dave is in the house tonight. Welcome, Dave. Hey, if you're like me, you're thinking of uh, the easiest ways and the best ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game. No better or easier way to do that than by adding Butcher Barbecue to your arsenal. Not just some products, all products. We all know Dave is famous for the injections, the beef injection, the pork injection, the bird boosters, all that good stuff. You have great sauce, you have uh, great rubs to choose from. Steak and brisket rub, honey rub. Then you have the chipotle rub, cherry rub, pecan rub, Dave's Secret Triple X Master Blend Rub. The Sweet Barbecue Sauce. Who doesn't love that? Great all by itself, but good as a base as well. No liquid smoke here, folks. Dave took the time and effort to make a great sauce. You will soon discern on your palate that that's exactly what he did. I always say get a box of six because it is going to go fast. I have a house full of women. They love the sauce. That should tell you something. When we talked about injection just a few minutes ago, Dave decided, hey, I'm going to take the dumb factor out of it for everybody. I'll make it dumb proof, stupid proof, I believe he said on this show. You can get the beef injection and the pork injection pre-made, pre-mixed, all ready to go right in the bottle. All you have to do is shake it, stick your syringe in there, and start injecting away. It's already made, ready to go injection right in the bottle. You don't need to measure. You don't need to do anything water-wise. You don't need to fret about what liquid to put in the powder. None of that. It's already made already. Here we go. Here we go. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com and stock up right now, number one. And then as you're getting all of those products, don't forget, don't forget to check out the grilling oils. One of my 
favorite products over the last handful of years. Uh, of course, butter flavor is my favorite. It also comes in steakhouse and chipotle flavor. Try all three. You're going to love it. Cleveland just went back on top, everybody. Everybody. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Check out the Stupid Proof products brought to you by Dave Bosk and the good folks over at Butcher Barbecue. We're back right after this with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Stick around. Be right back. giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue a man actually named meathead the author of a barbecue bible bloggers reviewers competitors and manufacturers by the dozens it's the barbecue central show once again here's your host greg rampey this segment of the show being brought to you by unknown smoker accessories purveyors of made in the usa stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges Barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. To find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories, keep your gear where it needs to be, at arm's length, ready for battle. By the way, you can get the rocket hot chimney griller over at BigPapaSmokers.com as well. Partnership good doesn't always have to be about competing. Of course, you can still buy all of the other Unknown Smoker Accessories at UnknownBBQ.com slash shop. That's UnknownBBQ.com slash shop. All right, my first guest here in the second hour tonight, uh, the very first barbecue editor for a magazine here in this country. You also see him on this show from time to time. And uh, we have some Texas barbecue to talk about. So let's head to the Smithfield Hotline and welcome back friend of the show and barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine, Daniel Vaughn, joining me here on the show. Daniel, how are you, buddy? I'm doing just great. How about you? Absolutely. Fabulous, Daniel. Always appreciate the time you're giving to the show here. And, you know, let's kind of jump into it uh, headlong. We had teased it last month when uh, we were talking about the top 50 is going to get released here very shortly, and you were going to come on the show, and we were going to discuss it a little bit. So, you know, a few days ago or so, the newly revised top 50 barbecue joints in Texas is released. And I guess before we get into the foray of that, um, who's right, who's wrong, my place got left off, my place made it. Talk to me about the history of the top 50 list, how is it determined, and how often is it updated? Well, first off, of course I'm right. Of course. I mean, I was never questioning you. I was talking about those other schmucks. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, of course, this is all subjective stuff. But yeah, the, the list itself, the top 50 list goes back 20 years. So 97 was the first uh, Texas monthly top 50. Uh, we've updated it um, about every four to five years since then. Uh, I think we're going to keep it every four years nowadays um, uh, because, I mean, essentially it, it really is the Olympics of barbecue. Uh, so four years just seems appropriate. Uh, also these days with just how often these places open uh, and how many new great places we're getting every, every four years seems to be a bit of a stretch too, but uh, you know, getting 
getting together this list takes a huge amount of our staff, uh, and it takes us about six months to produce it. So if we did it every year, we'd spend half the year doing a uh, top 50 barbecue list. So we've got to spread it out a little more. And I, I think it, it, that builds the anticipation. And when we released it early yesterday morning, the response we've gotten certainly shows that there has been some anticipation. <laughs> um for the other contributors to this, obviously you said you're not going to be able to do it all of yourself. Is this something that people have to go lottery for? I would imagine that this would have to be like one of the best things to have would be a contributor to the 50 top barbecue joints in Texas list. Well, they just have to uh, swear that they will hit all of the places that they need to in their region. Uh, so, yeah, we bring in about, um, you know, about 15 or so folks from oh. from our staff. We have a couple of freelancers as well. Uh, we all met on, uh, well, we met on Halloween morning. Um, Jimmy Ho was one of the guys who, he's a blogger here in Texas. He, he met up with us to, uh, to go over uh, all, the, all the rules and requirements for searching for the top 50. He, he dressed as Flo um, <laughs> in the conference room on Halloween morning. <laughs> Everybody was kind of wondering what Flo was doing there. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we all gathered in the conference room divvied up our different regions and I talked very specifically about what we're looking for in the top 50. Uh, most everybody who was in that room had been part of uh, uh, the 2013 team as well. Uh, so they all come back to uh, come back to us with their scores of the places they've visited all over the state. Uh, of course, the list of the places they're going to is, is partially built on my research, uh, also built on uh, on what uh, our readers have nominated and also just whatever places you, you pass by and and that look like they might be promising. So the, all that list comes into Pat Sharp, who's our food editor, and myself. We go over that list. Um, uh, you know, we got it down to 70 initially, and then we basically just start knocking places off the list based on uh, re return visits um, and, and also to you know, for the first time ever, we put together a top 10. So that was even more of an undertaking. What What is a criteria that these guys and gals are going out with when they're hitting their assigned locations in their region? Well, uh, the, the what we try to do at the very offset is, uh, or I'm sorry, at the very onset of this, uh, uh, of our kind of travels is we do bring everybody in together and we bring in some of the greatest barbecue in Austin and some not so great barbecue in Austin. Uh, and we share it around the room like this, you know, we brought in Franklin barbecue. This is one of the best places in Texas. Here's what it tastes like. This is what we're looking for. Brisket that is of this quality ribs that are, that are nearing this quality and, and also brought in a few other places that are kind of middle of the road and, and a couple that I just know I don't really like uh, and wouldn't support on the top 50 uh, to give people an idea of what the lower end looks like as well. And then they're off to do whatever they need to get done and return their results to you. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they're looking at, uh, they're of course, looking at how good the brisket is and the ribs and, and sausage and all that good stuff, looking for any uh, unique items on the menu, uh, looking for the side items, the, the desserts, how they stack up, and atmosphere, really taking it all in. But, uh, of course, the meat is really what it comes down to. When I was looking at that top 10 list uh, that you had, uh, linked over to me uh, a couple hours ago, what I couldn't help not noticing is right at the front, the golden age of barbecue. 
What does that mean to you, the golden yeah. age of barbecue? Well, I think right now we've got uh, more people across the country, really across the world, who understand what barbecue is all about, what it should be, um, and really appreciate it, really appreciate the work that goes into it. And we're seeing that appreciation um, and that love of barbecue is, is translated into more and more barbecue places and more and more great barbecue places. I think the way that we share information these days, you know, on everything from your show to videos to um, cookbooks that are put out that are in, have minute details about different recipes for barbecue. The way that we share that information, I think, really enables more and more places to do it really, really well uh, and to do it well more quickly, more quickly after opening up. So I think it really helps, uh, you know, really build a good base of new barbecue joints that are coming in. Uh, while also improving some of the ones that have been around a while who want to make sure they're uh, doing it as well as some of the new folks are too. All right, we've teased it long enough. Let's go ahead and get into the top 10 of uh, what is the 50 best barbecue joints in Texas. And the last list, 2013, who was sitting atop? So the last list, we had Franklin Barbecue from Austin, Texas, atop the list. And uh uh, we, like I said, this list uh, you mentioned has a top ten. Yeah. Uh, last time around, we picked a number one, and then we just uh, simply picked three others that were uh, had elevated themselves above all the others. So we had essentially a a top four grouping, and then the other forty six. Here we've got that ranked top ten, uh, and the rest of the forty. Number one is Snow's Barbecue. Oh my. Right. Franklin toppled. Uh, the, the very foundations of the barbecue world are shaking and shattering below us. Uh, what, what, what makes Snow's Barbecue number one? Well, uh, I, I got a little bit of a you know heads up that this might be number one. So on Saturday, I stopped in at Snow's Barbecue before the big rush hit. <laughs> um, and, you know, what makes it special, it just I, I reminds me every time I go back just how special it is that, um, you know, first you get to eat their incredible food. But when you're doing it, you're sitting at a picnic table uh, outside in small town, Texas, overlooking the pits where 82-year-old Tootsie Tomanets is toiling away. Uh, she's been cooking barbecue for 50 years and is still going strong. Uh, she's an incredible woman, um, and they just have a great team there. The I think the other thing that makes it great is just the diversity in the uh, in the flavors on their menu. They've got two different styles of cooking in one restaurant. They have an offset smoker for their briskets, get them nice and tender and get that good smoke on them. Uh, most every other cut is done right over direct heat. So they burn down wood down to coals and uh, shovel those coals right under the meat. So you get big, thick pork steaks uh, cut right out of the shoulder that you don't find at a lot of Texas barbecue places. Uh, incredible sausage and um, half chickens as well. They get that good crispiness from that direct heat. Uh, so you, you put it all together, and it's just an incredible menu. Second on the list was uh, four years ago, number one, Franklin Barbecue. Really, probably the most popular like household name, Franklin Barbecue. Everybody seems to know about it. It's on Jimmy Kimmel like every third Tuesday of the week. And um, but it, I thought by now it would have died off a little bit. But it doesn't seem like the lines are getting any sh uh, shorter. Uh, Aaron getting into more and more business as it relates to the Franklin brand. It was just announced he's going to be opening a, a whole new pit line for sale and, and some of these other things that he's got going on. He's really going strong, right? 
Yeah, it's absolutely going strong. He also just wrapped up a food festival that he had hosted in Austin, a three day long food festival. So he's, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got business pretty much everywhere and the lines are definitely still there. Uh, the photo in the magazine is great. Uh, Wyatt McSpadden is an incredible photographer, does a lot of Texas barbecue photography and he was there at about five o'clock in the morning and you can see the first couple of people showing up right at the door. Uh, these crazy early birds who are there so they can be first in line. Um, and Franklin barbecue, you know, we, of course we had them number one last time. They is, is pretty much neck and neck here. Um, Franklin barbecue, uh, both Pat Sharp and I agreed really does have the best brisket in the state. If you took brisket solely, um, it's hard to touch them. I mean, we, we tried the best of the best barbecue back to back to back for several days all over central Texas, north Texas, uh, down Houston way. And it just became apparent like that brisket at Franklin really is that special. Is it the marriage of the way you cook it and the smoke and the temperatures and uh, the quality of the beef that he's using? Is there something that is definitive that you can put your finger on when you're eating all the rest of the best and that one stands out? Uh, it, it's that the buttery flavor of the fat uh, from the beef he's using. The um, I, I think the subtle smoke flavor uh, coupled with the kind of intense beefiness. Uh, also, just how tender it is. I was lucky enough. Uh, uh, let's see. Gosh, we're just talking about Thursday, Wednesday night. Uh, last Wednesday, I was up in the pit room at Franklin. Braun Hughes um, is the guy who really watches over most of the briskets at night. And I was with him, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to check briskets. You want to you wanna check them? Well, yeah, of course. So uh, we, we handled like 40 different briskets just checking for doneness, just getting an idea of uh, – just so I could get an idea of what that touch and feel was like yeah. for each one of the briskets to figure out if it – it was finally to that point where it could be pulled off the smoker. And it was amazing. Of course, the first couple I'm touching, I'm like, yeah, that's done. It's like, no, not yet. Put it back on. So uh, I finally got the hang of it after about 40. I'm sure I forgot all that touch by now. But uh, just the intense care that they take uh, night in, night out to uh, take those briskets off right when they're perfect and no sooner. Number three on the list is Cattleback Barbecue. Uh, not a name that I'm – Cadillac. Uh, Cadillac. Did I say Cadillac? Sorry, Cadillac barbecue. And it sounds like a car, but it's actually like, uh, you know, cattle and then ACK, A-C-K. Yeah, they spell it kind of funny. It's uh, This is a place in Dallas, which is it's pretty cool because it, it started off as a catering gig. Uh, and then they started selling just limited stuff to go on Fridays only. Um, it got more and more popular. They expanded the spot. And now they're uh, Fridays, uh, thir- every Thursday and Friday, they serve, uh, I mean, a huge line of people already. I uh, can't imagine what it's going to look like this Thursday. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they have a, an enormous line of people and a huge menu as well. They're always tinkering with new stuff. Uh, Todd and Misty David are the owners there. Todd's always toying with new sausages and new new cuts. So you might find a homemade bologna or uh, Akaushi beef ribs, all kinds of good stuff going on in Cadillac. Uh, four is Bodacious Barbecue. Yeah, Bodacious out in Longview. Uh, Bodacious Barbecue uh, has can have a, a bit of a bad name because it's part of a chain. Uh, there's a Bodacious chain, but each one is individually owned and operated uh, out in East Texas. And the original Bodacious uh, is owned by Roland Lindsay. And Roland's uh, son-in-law came in to reopen it after it had been closed for a couple of years. 
Jordan Jackson uh, came in from Stanley's Barbecue, actually, uh, to reopen Bodacious. And that was a couple of years ago, and it has just gotten better and better ever since. The guy knows how to cook. He knows how to um, knows his sausage making as well. Uh, he started making this burnt end uh, brisket, burnt end boudin. <laughs> if you're familiar with the right, usually a rice and pork sausage out of Louisiana, he's doing it with uh, with brisket, brisket burnt ends and rice. Uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, fifth on the list, and uh, I guess what would be kind of widely considered a, an iconic place is uh, Louis Miller's Barbecue. That's right, the Cathedral of Texas Barbecue, right here. Uh, even with all these places that we've mentioned, if there's one place I would send you to kind of take in the whole of what Texas barbecue is all about, going to a small town, going into this hallowed, delicious smelling building, uh, wide open, tall ceilings, smoke covered. Um, everything has got that patina from the smoke, the brick pit in the back, the peppery beef ribs and brisket, uh, great staff, great food. I mean, it, it really does have it all. Uh, six on the list is Tejas Chocolate Craftery, or is it Texas? Uh, we, we, call, <laughs> we, we call that Tejas down here. Tejas. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I get it. I know. I'm uh, I'm from Ohio, too, man. It took me a while. <laughs> but Te Tejas Chocolate Craftery, I know it sounds weird. Like, it's a chocolate shop. It's a legit bean-to-bar chocolate shop. They, really? They get the beans, they roast them, they grind them, and they make chocolate bars, which wow. are amazing. They, uh, I'm a big fan of craft chocolate, and they do an incredible job. Uh, but they weren't making enough money just selling chocolate. So uh, they needed something else. They wanted to add a lunch menu, and they decided to start cooking barbecue. That was about a year and a half ago. Um, and evidently, they knew a little bit about cooking barbecue because it's only gotten better ever since. And they've got uh, they got this uh, mole barbecue sauce, which they incorporate their chocolate into. Uh, of course, they've got some chocolate desserts. They do uh, pastrami beef ribs as well, which are mm. amazing. Uh, it's just all kinds of good stuff at the at the chocolate craftery in uh, Spring, Texas, and seventh on the list is Corkscrew Barbecue. Yeah, between six and seven, we got Tomball to Spring. I mean, we're talking about about a thirty minute drive, so doesn't take long at all to get between these two. Uh, Corkscrew started off as a uh, as a food truck, and then they they moved into Old Downtown Spring and opened up their own spot. Uh, it does have a long line, but it is the fastest moving line. I mean, they, they'll have a line wrapped all the way outside and around their porch, and, and you know, you're only going to be in it for about 40 minutes. So they, they know how to move people through the line and crank out that great barbecue. Eighth on the list, uh, and again, an Austin-based company. I've actually seen this place on TV a couple times. I think it's uh, Micklethwaite Craft Meats. Yes, that's right. Uh, a food truck on the list here, uh, you know, straight out of Austin. Tom Micklewaite uh, opened this place up and uh, in a food truck. I think he maybe thought that uh, eventually he'd move to a, a brick-and-mortar location, but the food truck seems to have suited him just right. They do, uh, they, they do it all here as far as they, of course, hand-make all the barbecue, but the breads and desserts they also make, oh. the pickles, the barbecue sauce is all homemade, uh, all the sides. Uh, they have this lemon slaw which is like just the perfect complement for their giant beef ribs uh ninth on the list is is it evie mays pit barbecue that that's right yeah uh up in wolferth texas so uh it, this place is generally lumped in with lubbock uh, it's right outside mm -hmm. of lubbock home of texas tech so there are a few people whose uh hearts skipped a beat as they were looking down the list because we we organized our list online by city 
So they're like, whoa, Evie Mays from Lubbock didn't make it. Um, but no, they're down at the bottom with uh, in Wolferth, uh, if you're looking alphabetically. But number nine on the list here, they again they started off as a food truck uh, just recently. Um, well, not so recently. It's been about a year and a half now. Moved into a brand new big building. They've got uh, – they're another place with the full package. All the great homemade sides, uh, great barbecue, enormous beef ribs, uh, nice, uh, sticky, sweet, uh, pork ribs as well. Um, and all the desserts are, are made by, uh, Mallory Robbins, who's, uh, Arnis Robbins is the pit master there. His wife, Mallory makes all the desserts, uh, about seven or eight different ones, depending wow. on the day you come in and they're all gluten-free, but you'd never know any of it. Uh, um, Arnis Robbins is, uh, is, has celiac. So, well. uh, she's got to keep it all gluten-free. And so, yeah, certainly anybody who's looking for, Honest to goodness, gluten free barbecue experience can go to Evie Mays. Uh, rounding out the top 10, and uh, I do have confirmation from my uh, embedded Texas correspondent, Doug Shiding of Row Cookers, that uh, the truth barbecue is indeed the truth. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Leonard Botello, the fourth young pit master, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, opened up in a tiny building that uh, used to be a barbecue joint, uh, a not so great barbecue joint. He's opened up this place and has just really uh, lit lit Brenham, Texas, on fire with this barbecue. It's an area that hasn't uh, hasn't really been known for its great barbecue for a while, um, but man, they sure line up for this spot. They've got great. I mean, everything's great here. Uh, he makes make he makes his own sausage. Uh, the brisket's great, whether it's the fatty or the lean stuff. Uh, all those sides are great, and then his mom makes these enormous like. Uh, you know, two foot tall layer cakes and usually five different flavors, depending on the day you come in. There were just monstrous slices of cake. The remainder can be found over at uh, tmbbq.com. Of course, uh, Daniel, will you start the process now of going out and trying the new places that you hear and you kind of, you know, revisit them over the next four years as you start to re uh, refresh the, the 50 list? Yeah, I got to say I am so looking forward to some new barbecue road trips to hit some new spots I've never been to before. So much of the last few months has been checking and rechecking on places that uh, that are on this list, trying to solidify their spot or, or their location on the list. So I am really looking forward to going out and trying some new stuff. I've just uh, uh, actually just got in a tip from of course, somebody who is mad that their favorite barbecue joint's not on the list, a <laughs> uh, spot that I'd never heard of. So I added it to the map, and uh, I'm going to be checking that place out along with a bunch of others here over the next few months. Do you have any idea how many barbecue restaurants are in Texas? Well, you know, there's probably about uh, probably about 2,000 or so. <sighs> wow. uh, the, the count, the, the last count that I saw said that there were around 1,900 uh, non-chain locations, wow. but by non-chain, they meant places with uh, less than 10 locations. So essentially, I think that's really just Dickies. So it's like 1,900 barbecue joints plus everything, every Dickies location. Will the top 50 see an appreciable receipt difference this week, you think? Say that again? Will the top 50 barbecue restaurants see an appreciable receipt uh, bump this week? I Yes, I would assume so. We've already seen plenty of uh, 
plenty of joyful posts from barbecue joint owners about the long lines at their places already today, uh, along with those same photos from the customer standpoint that are a little less joyous. Uh, but yes, the, the word is out. Uh, a lot of these places are uh, going to be seeing, seeing business like they've never seen before. Uh, he is the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor, tmbbq.com is the website, and he is Daniel Vaughn. Daniel, really appreciate the time tonight and talking about the top 10 uh, explicitly, of course, uh, but uh, releasing the top 50 here. And we'll do it again soon, man. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You got it. There he is. Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly's barbecue editor, the very first full-time barbecue editor, by the way. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. I hate it when Skype decides that it wants to ask me if I would like to update my Skype in the middle of the show. I'm never going to want to do that. Ever. Doug, I don't know if you miss it or not, but it does take into account more than the food. Although that is probably the major consideration, but there is atmosphere and decor and all that stuff. All right, uh, Brett Galloway coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about the longest running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. If you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They created this technology. Why would you buy from anybody else? If you're not familiar with how they work, I don't get into the minutia here, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature. And once set, keeps it at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today because maybe you're a busy working professional or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands. You just don't have the time to set around and tent pit temperatures. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or all of that, depending on how big your cooker is. And you are off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. If you're in the market for a cooker, look no further than the shotgun. It's kind of an updated Onyx oven right now, and you know it's going to work seamlessly with the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to BBQGuru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. Don't guess. Please don't guess. 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or the website bbqguru.com. All right, Brett Galloway, SCA Talk coming up. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. The biggest name in pork bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get smoking with Smithfield and their Committed Cooks program. Learn more by visiting Smokin, S-M-O-K-I-N, SmokinWithSmithfield.com. That's smokinwithsmithfield.com. I cooked a couple of their tenderloins this past weekend. Man, suck you. I love tenderloins, man. I think if you cook a pork tenderloin just right, 
135, 140 maybe. The mouthfeel is just like filet mignon, but I think more flavor. All right, have you been hearing more and more about steak cook-off association events? Of course, not really expensive, growing in popularity to say the least. And by the way, who doesn't love a good steak? Let's race to the hotline and welcome back, friend of the show, Brett Galloway. Brett, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Greg. Thanks for having me on, buddy. You got it. Uh, I always appreciate you making time for the show, Brett. Um, I guess let's get started here. If we could kind of recap, it might be a little bit of a tall task, of course. We're you know almost two quarters of the way through the calendar year, and for whatever reason, you know, food sport seems to kind of run that calendar year in length. So as we look back, mm-hmm. kind of across that first quarter and a half, uh, quarter and three quarters, uh, talk to me about some of the events that you've had so far, and kind of where those overall rankings are as we sit here on May 23rd. All right. Well, you know, this, the first quarter, we um, actually had our first event in the UK, which was awesome. We've been to Vancouver. We did an event. We went, did our first event ever in Australia. That went well. We've actually got uh, six more events in the works. We've already booked another one. So Australia looks like it's going to be a, they love steak. We love them. And then we did one in Belgium. So we've actually been in four countries plus the U.S. in the first quarter of the year, which is awesome. How long, then, is, how long has SCA been, uh, been, a, been a deal? Uh, we're three years old. Wow. Did you think three years ago you'd be in Belgium, Australia, Canada, and the U.K.? I had no idea. <laughs> no, we just, you know, we started this and um, kind of like we just lit a, lit a match and then it just started a fire. It's been a blast. and. Nobody's having more fun than us. It's just, it's hard to believe sometimes, but we're having a good time. Cookers are having fun. How many events are you going to be looking at putting on this year? I mean, certainly you could probably add uh, as it makes sense, but like, where's the forecast at right now? Uh, This year we're looking at seven countries. We're in 22 states and about 125 events, 121-25. Three years ago, what was the, what was that first year? How many events? Well, there was nine in the country. Our first, before we started, and then our first year was 19, went to 47, and then it went to 87 last year. Wow. So, I mean, kind of doubling in size almost. It is. It is. It's it's been a learning experience. It's almost like every year I have to recreate systems in the office, and um, that's a good problem. I'll take that problem. Is SCA your full-time job, right? Uh, it is my full-time job, yeah. I am proud to say that. Uh, it's it's a living dream, as I say. Talking about refining processes and you know all this other, I think conceptually uh, there's a lot of associations that seem like there would be a lot of fun, and uh, perhaps people don't really consider what's happening in the administration side, in the rules side, in the processes side. What have you... Like, what are some of the biggest changes that you've made over the past three years or, you know, things you used to do that you're like, oh, I can't believe we ever did that. I would never do that again. Well, as far as administrative side, when we started, I had an Excel spreadsheet for memberships and quickly outgrew that. And I had a basic website and we had to move to one that managed our database, our, our memberships, handled our entries. I couldn't, you know, the, when we started, we just had no idea that it would uh, grow to what it has. So it was was very interesting there. And then the, as far as the teams, I think the biggest thing is every rule that's taken place in the last couple of years are because the cookers have requested it. 
our stake selection used to pick draw a poker chip and you'd pick two stakes. Well, if you picked first, you thought you had a mental advantage. If you pick last, you're like, man, I'm picking last. I lost the lottery. But I saw those guys win too. So the cookers wanted to go to pick one, get back in line and pick their second stake in the same order. Well, then last this year, they said, we want to do a reverse snake. We're going to pick one through, if there's 30 teams, one through 30 and then 30 through one. And it's, it really, it doesn't affect things other than the cookers like it. And if we can make them happy with a simple rule change like that, we'll do it every time. Is there something at the end of the year where members are sent like a questionnaire or maybe there's some type of a conference or meeting and they're allowed to voice what they would like to see change and then it's all taken under advisement? How do rule changes come to pass at SCA? Uh, actually, we keep a list in the office there. Anytime somebody suggests something, we write it down and then we solicited um, comments from the cookers. And then what we did is we put advisory board and we picked six guys from around the country and guys that we trust, we know they've been in other organizations and see how things work because we haven't, we've never been in leadership roles of other organizations. We're, you know, we're kind of learning as we go and really put a lot of faith in the guys and put the, put everything before them and let them vote on it. And, you know, every rule they wanted went through. When you talk about stake selection at a competition, you know, it's obviously, uh, I guess, the the responsibility or the, the burden of responsibility is on you guys to come up with almost similarly specced stakes so nobody feels or consider and go, oh, well, yours is way bigger than this or mine's super thin. And that has to be kind of a uh, an arduous task all on its own. How are you able to find a beef supplier or, or have you partnered with somebody that kind of gets you a, an SCA steak spec almost? Well, we've got a standard of the, it's an inch and an eight to an inch and a quarter boneless choice or above ribeye. And actually the promoters provide the steaks for the events. We guide them along the way, but rather than go with one sponsor right now, we thought it was more important to keep the money in the community. So if that local pr promoter wants to support his local grocery store, then he can support the grocery store if he can use them as a sponsorship to help keep money in the community. It's worked out really well. Um, every now and then we'll have a situation where the stakes aren't exactly to the spec, but the good news is everybody's cooking the same steak. I got an instant chat message from Alex who says he loves uh, judging KCBS, but really enjoys judging SCA. It's been a lot of fun. So a little feedback for awesome. you as we're doing here on the show. You know, from a, a cost perspective, we, we do talk about it uh, each time you're on, but I think it's important as it continues to gain popularity, uh, new people here to this show kind of learn about it. What kind of a, an investment or an expense does a team have to make to do an SEA event versus some of those competition, uh, barbecue competitions that we know so much about? I've got a 24th barbecue trailer I use, use for KCBS and IBCA. I also have a Weber in my backyard. I got a PK grill. So if you got a PK grill or a Weber in your yard, you can come compete in an SA event. So the, the equipment cost is very, very low. If you have a grill, you can come in. Um, but the $150 is our base price point. At $150, we're gonna give you the steaks. Now there's nobody out there cooking a Wagyu ribeye versus a, you know, just a guy that can afford a select, which doesn't happen. But I mean, we just kind of level the playing field. So for 150, you're going to get in the money, the prize money is concentrated because it's one category rather than four. So you're 
you know, most of our payouts are a thousand dollars for first place. Mm-hmm. Our championship, fifteen thousand dollars. So it is a little more entry level equipment wise, um, cost wise, but the caliber of cookers out there, they're tough. We've got some of the best steak cookers in the world. I know there's more out there. We're just waiting for them to come on. Do you find that over the genesis of the SCA that there has been, you know how people say, yeah, competition barbecue is nothing that I would cook for myself out in the backyard on a weekend if I wasn't competing, you know, because you're trying to get that one bite and you're trying to go over the top with your flavor mm-hmm. profiles. Uh, the best middle-of-the-road barbecue is a lot of the most successful pitmasters say. Do you find that trending at all into the steak market or not so much? Uh, no, I think the steaks that are turned in are steaks you would like to eat at home. The only thing I can see different is some of these guys manicure their steaks a little bit, you know, maybe trim them up a certain way or something. But other than that, I mean, it's it's a backyard steak wins this thing. Just a good flavor profile is what it takes. And you're cooking to medium temperature, correct? Yes, sir. We cook to medium, which is we have a picture that we go by. It's a warm pink center. Uh, there's an art to getting that thing to medium. It depends if it's hot outside, it's cold outside, what's the humidity. And you really got all these factors to take in, how long how long your walk is, how long you let it rest. It's it's a little more than just uh, throwing a box in a steak nowadays. The bar has been raised. Brett, let me ask you, you know, the last time that you were on here, uh, one of my questions to you was, you know, you're seeing the growth of SCA. It's a one-day event. It makes sense to me that there could be a, a partnership between you and an FBA or KCBS where you guys would come in on a Friday, you do a steak cook, and then clear out enough time to get these guys turned around and ready to go for the barbecue side of things. And it seems like it would be a great mm-hmm. two-day weekend event. I'm tooling through sure. the KCBS website a couple of weeks ago uh, through board notes and so forth, and I see that at least <laughs> they've either instituted and it's getting ready to rock and roll, or they're at least talking about instituting their own steak cook-off situation that would take place before it's like my idea in in your association uh, do you have any thoughts on how that's transpiring or, or what do you know about sure. it what do you think about it? well ironically we went to them in year one with a proposal um but honestly we weren't ready for something like that we were so new and kind of got ahead of ourselves and uh that's all right. We we did that. We were it was a good learning lesson, and we've got strategic partnerships with FBA, with MBN, uh, ABA over in Australia. Um, so we've got NBCA down in Louisiana. So we've got some partners that we actually do events with, and you know KCBS does a great job of barbecue. You know I think we do a great job of steak, and um, you know there's room for everybody in this playground. We're just trying to create more cookoffs and. If they can bring some more steak cookers to the steak cooking world, I am all for it. Do you think that they're doing that because they see it as kind of a, I don't know if you would call it a one-stop shop or, you know, there there is an accessibility. People are showing up there for barbecue contest anyway. If they're going to be there the night before, why not try and take a, a steak cook in-house and uh, keep it all under one roof? That's possible, yeah. I, but I, I think they also see that it's Friday night and these guys, it gives them something fun to do on Friday night just a great activity you start a fire on friday nights guys gather around the pits so it it, it complements what they do you know the steak cook on friday is just a different challenge than the slow and low on saturday so i, I think it's a natural fit about 10 percent of our events are done with 
other organizations, the rest are freestanding cook-offs. But, um, you know, I hope there's no reason to, for them not to continue, and hopefully it'll build uh, build more business for all of us. What are some of the big steak cook-offs coming up here over the next handful of weeks? And by the way, uh, not that I'm revealing anything, uh, you know, too awesome, <laughs> uh, but Brett has agreed uh, to be on the show uh, about once a month or so to kind of keep us updated with SEA because that was kind of a platform that I wanted to do this year. So I appreciate that, Brett. But uh, some of the, the bigger steak cooks coming up here over the next handful of weeks. Um, you know, we've, we're going to Japan for the first time. We're wow. going to do a cook-off in Japan. We, we're moving into Iowa. We're going into South Dakota and Wisconsin all in the next, uh, you know, three, four months. So it's it's exciting to see it grow north. And I think once those guys – once we experience one, it just really builds. And we're doing a tour with a Home Depot and PK Grills. It's been successful so far, and it's kind of a test run. If it goes good, then next year we're hoping to have 20 events with Home Depot and PK Grills. It's Brett so Galloway. Really neat. We got, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, then we've got a big one coming up just before a championship in West Memphis, Arkansas. It'll be about 120 teams and. I think they got Quiet Riot and Great um, White playing at it. Just some old rock 80s bands. So uh, that'll be a blast. Brett Galloway our, at uh, – I'm sorry, I'm jumping I'm jumping in all over you. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I was just going to say that in our uh, big celebration is our SCA World Championship on October. Same weekend as Jack, October 28th and 9th. And we'll probably have 130 teams from wow. around the world. and wow. I'm really excited about that one. Is that, Fort, time. is that Fort Worth? Yes, sir. Billy Bob's in Fort Worth Stockyards. Uh, all right. That sounds awesome. Uh, Brett Galloway, Stay Cook-Off Association, the website if you want to check it out, staycookoffs.com. Brett, always appreciate the time, man, and we'll talk to you again next month. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. You Bye -bye. got it. There he is, Brett Galloway, Stay Cook-Off Association. Yeah, baby. Let's uh, try and get back on time here. Ahem. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the new bumper music here coming up out of the break because I know I'll have at least 30 seconds. Folks, pit barrel cooker, right? We talk about it all the time here on this show. Uh, pulling the trigger on a new cooker could be a little nerve-wracking. I strongly suggest the pit barrel cooker for your consideration. Makes cooking simple and fun. Might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that turns out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulders, and ribs while also being able to ramp up attempt to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. Versatility, all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. It's called the hook and hang. It places the food right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. Not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel is able to withstand any type of weather. It's also extremely portable. It can fit in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, barbecue folks love accessories. The pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either from rubs and the great stainless steel rub shakers to the unique removable ash pan, the pit grips, the turkey hangers, the hinged grill grates, the fully sized charcoal chimney to the cooker, koozies, coffee mugs, full line of accessories that really complete the pit barrel cooking experience. The best part for $299, the pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on and it ships free right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but with a few, with so few returns, everything they sell ships for free to lower 48. No promo code, no coupon code needed. Don't take my word for it. 
The folks over at AmazingRibs.com have given the Pit Barrel Cooker for four years in a row their highest rating. That's the Gold Division rating, by the way. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos, then pick up one or two for yourself. You'll thank me later. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their website or call 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. And yes, they will actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about when you head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com. That's PitBarrelCooker.com. All right, we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Right, this segment brought to you by the National Pro Barbecue Tour, presented by Sam's Club, 31 cities, 500 grand in cash, eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. Uh, they're off this coming weekend and then back in Bartlett. So if you want more information on the tour, register your team to compete or check results, you can visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. That's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. All right, I'm not going to be able to get to the music. I'm not going to be able to do it. we got to get out of here ASAFP. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Stephen Reichland battling a cold, barbecuebible.com. Then we talked with Doug Tratner, Clevescene, C-L-E-V-E, Clevescene.com. Second hour. Daniel Vaughn, tmbbq.com, talking about the just-released 50 best barbecue joints in Texas. And then we, in-depth, talked about the top 10. And then finishing the show, Brett Galloway from the State Cook-Off Association, statecookoffs.com. All right, uh, big show already planned up for next week, believe it or not. Believe it. We're going to be in June. In June, almost. Almost. We'll get there. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.